the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. I am your host, Dara Mar, and I am, of course, joined by Fionn Moy, as always. Fionn, it's great to speak to you again for the second time this week. Yes, we're finally, I'm finally back in the rhythm now. Uh, getting in some regular shows. I know our loyal fans were missing me. They had to, they had to suck up and live with, uh, live with just Wait, you well, and Jake. On, hold, for on, a while. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Fans, fan, fan, our get fan, away, our mammies, our mammies were sick of listening to uh, <laughs> to Jake. So I think they're all happy that Fionn's back on the show more regularly. Excellent stuff. Yeah, you are getting the reps in this week, and you're getting back into the swing of things after. Christmas. Uh, we are, of course, looking ahead to Championship Weekend. The AFC and NFC Championships will be decided. We'll know who's going to be in the Super Bowl this time next week. Uh, we are delighted to welcome back in the first part of this show, Sam Farley to the show. Sam, we it's been a couple of weeks since we spoke to you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. The football has been even better than I could possibly have hoped. Um so just, just roll on Sunday. I, I don't know if it could be as good as it was last weekend, to be honest, but yeah, let's hope so. Now, me and Fionn had a bit of a debate on the show earlier, earlier on this week when we were looking at it. And I made the argument that um, this past weekend wasn't the best divisional round ever in the playoffs. I made the argument that it was the best divisional Sunday of the playoffs ever. Because I'm still yet to be convinced that the games on Saturday were great. Great finishes, exciting endings, and exciting for the teams that won. Obviously, both surprises. But, you know, maybe the, the play in the previous 50-odd minutes maybe leave a little to be desired. Especially in that game in Lambo. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably right there. The, the, the endings of those games were magnificent. And I think that's probably, like like everything in this sport, you've got to finish strong. And... I think in, in our minds, those games are kind of fantastic. But in reality, I know in one of my group chats, I was saying how boring it was at one point um, in, in the Bengals-Titans game, actually. Um, and I, I do think maybe those finishes have, have kind of given us a bit of a glossy sheen to what was maybe not the best start. But I will say, in hindsight, including those endings, I did enjoy it. And I the other thing I thought was brilliant about it is Every game through Saturday to Sunday was better and better and better and better, yeah. um, which, which was yeah like a great kind of crescendo. I didn't think that Bucks game on Sunday could be topped, and lo and behold, it was. <laughs> um, it was just just what a fun weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before we look forward, just looking back really quickly, what did you make of that the San Francisco and Packers game? What stood out to me was that. Aaron Rodgers looked slightly uninspired. We're used to him just finding ways to win. A little bit like his counterpart there in the Buccaneers, Tom Brady. But it seemed a little flat. He seemed almost passive just to take what the 49ers were giving him. And that was down to some pretty hefty pass rushing. But also, it seemed like some of the creativity we usually associated with him wasn't quite there on Saturday. Yeah, let's let's not take anything away from the Niners. I thought they they were great, especially defensively. But like, interesting the, the Brady comparison because one thing I noticed when we were watching Brady almost inspire a comeback on Sunday was he was getting everybody involved. That entire offense was seeing the ball. He was throwing it to guys that you know he barely knows. Yet Rogers, it felt like it was Jones, 
it was Adams. No one else was getting a look in. Um, Lazard, who I thought was going to have a really good game kind of beforehand, I think off the top of my head it was one reception. Um, I might be wrong on that, but he he didn't get the ball. It felt like he was just relying on guys that he trusts, and at points that was hurting the offence, in in my view. Yeah, and kind of looking then um, at, uh, yeah, well, actually, it, it, this is a perfect place. I was going to wait till later. I'll ask it now then, because the, it seems as though it is the end for Aaron in in Green Bay, if it is the end of him in the NFL, we're still yet to be seen. And it could be the same for Devontae Adams. Of course, we saw the Instagram image at the start of the year of, you know, them both posting the last dance to their story. So it looks like this was going to be the last dance either way. And I'd, lo- I'd like to get your, I know it's very early thoughts about what could happen in Green Bay or what could happen with the two players, but it look it's looking fairly certain that we won't see either of them back at Lambeau next year. Yeah, and I think I think Rogers is definitely gone. I don't. Well, I do see a way back because I don't think they're going to want to lose him. He's he's been fantastic there. I I do think that perhaps there do need to be some questions raised about what he's achieved there, given his natural ability is is incredible. But perhaps maybe the leadership side isn't there in the same way that it is with some of the other top quarterbacks. That might be being a little bit, a bit harsh. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest kind of Rogers fan um, as a person. I think he's a bit of a weirdo, but I do think that maybe it's time for a fresh start. I think definitely for him, the way he, I don't know if going back to, I don't know if you remember the, when there was the MVP discussion, they had that voter that said he wouldn't vote for him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons was the COVID thing. We'll, we'll t- t- put that aside. But one of the other things he mentioned was that over the summer, this kind of will he leave, won't he leave? He said he couldn't really vote for someone that he thinks that's not real buy-in. And I mm. I actually thought kind of I went back on that in my mind after this game and I thought that it that really kind of isn't real buy-in. Do the guys really believe that you love the team, that you're there for them? I'm not sure. And I think for him he needs to go. Adams is a bit of a tough one. I think they, they can franchise tag him, can't they? Yeah. They can't can, technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to want him to go. Um, I think the really interesting thing is kind of where Rogers would go because even with the question marks that there now are, there are still a lot of teams that would love to have him on board, and I can't blame yeah. them. Yeah, definitely. But with the especially with the money that he's going to get, it looks best to, you know, a, a rookie wide receiver and wide and not wide receiver quarterback a quarterback even on his rookie contract i should say um and i think there's definitely a chargers uh interest or there should be in Devontae adams to see justin herbert trying to connect with Devontae adams i think is something that nfl fans will definitely want to see but that's my initial sort of who i'd like where i'd like to see him go fiona's still adamant that he's going to go to washington but let's just see how that, I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even convinced if i want that to happen to be honest for <laughs> for all the reasons that have been outlined i think washington at the moment needs a a good hand on the roller and while he's got plenty of talent as you mentioned the leadership maybe stands the question and that's such a young roster I don't know. I'm saying uh, Adams, not Rogers. Oh, Adams. Sorry, I beg yeah, your yeah. pardon. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll take we'll take Adams. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, Rogers. No in, question in marks Washington. there. No question marks there. 
Rodgers in Washington actually would be great to see just for the sheer soap opera like things that will be going on in there with the owner and him and, and <laughs> the sound. actually I kind of want that to happen the whole building might actually yeah. burn down it really would <laughs> I, I, I think this next step in Rodgers career is going to be fascinating because he's got this ability we all know how good he is and there's an expectation that wherever he goes, he's going to elevate them into being contenders immediately. And I don't think it's good. Like if he goes to Denver, which I know is one of the highly kind of rumoured places, I don't know if they're instantly contenders. And I think a lot of his kind of legacy will, will be kind of born out of how well he does at this new team and how quickly he can turn them around. And again, like we've mentioned, the questions about leadership, we, we might be being a bit harsh there. I don't know. But these are questions that will be answered if he does move on, I think. So I, I think it's it's a fascinating off-season coming up. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, let's have a look at, at the positive side of the game. And let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, Sam, the Cincinnati Bengals are in the AFC Championship. How did we get here? I mean, we got here with one guy, Joe Burrow. Um, and that's, that does a disservice to to the receiving core. I thought, thought the, the Bengals' defense were actually really good on the day as well. Um, but what he has is, I mean, you talk about leadership. This is a guy, he's, what, second year in the NFL. All those players are buying into Joe Burrow. Uh, I think the, the the commentary team were mentioning that players want to go to Cincinnati now just to be with Joe Burrow. And you can see that. This is a guy who, I mean... You look at him, he, he looks like a kind of bit dorky, a bit kind of odd. But yeah, he's the coolest, calmest, like most sick guy. Like he is, he's just a pleasure to watch. And when you ch- see him kind of talking in these interviews after the game, he's got a real charisma. We know he's a great player and the buy-in is absolutely strong there. And I think the coaching job's been good. They've done really well putting talent around him. They've somehow got to this game despite having an offensive line that aren't really that good. I mean, if they fix that in the offseason, they they are right up there as kind of favourites, I'd say. Um, but this this kind of this rivalry rivalry we're going to have in the AFC now, Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. I mean, these four guys are. It could be a historic rivalry, I think. Um, but yeah, that's that's it ultimately. I think it is Joe Burrow has to take a huge amount of the credit here and he's been absolutely superb, I think. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there's there's also Lamar Jackson, if you want to add him in as well on the AFC side, that can make that can really make things interesting for the next uh, couple of years there too. Obviously, providing he gets his contract situation sorted with, with the Ravens, which we all hope he does and he probably, he probably will. Um yeah, let's let's have a little chat. We chat a little off air as well about it, but let's have a little chat about the the Chiefs and and, and the Bills then, um, and sort of look ahead for the Chiefs then against in this game against Cincinnati because, like for all intents and purposes, and, and you pro- people probably would have seen a few of the videos of Bills fans celebrating after that touchdown, thinking they won it with thirteen seconds left. You know. It didn't think that it was going to happen late on Sunday evening, and it, it obviously it's changed, and we have the the Chiefs here now in this game. An interesting point, and and I I mentioned it on our show on Tuesday as well that 
the offensive line seemed to cripple a, a, a lot in that game against the Bills. The Bills passers were getting through if only, only for Mahomes' elusiveness um, sort of saved them. So, similar to, you know, what they saw at the end of last season. Of course, Mahomes is not battling with a turf toe injury at this stage. But, you know, Cincinnati do have their own pass rushes that are going to cause the Chiefs a lot of issues. And with the money that they spent in the offseason as well to fix this offensive line, that they're going to be expecting a better outcome um, and a better performance from their offensive line this week if they want to make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think so. I mean... That Bills defense is is seriously nasty. I think the Bengals, whilst they've actually improved almost week on week, and they were they were great last week, I don't think they're quite as kind of tenacious or as dangerous. But that doesn't mean they're not going to get through, and they will have opportunities against that Chiefs offensive line. But if Mahomes plays like that, I I I can't see them not winning. I thought that was one of the best quarterbacking displays I've seen in in however long that 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 um pass just to to Kelsey kind of right near the end to put them in field goal ra- uh, field goal range just hearing the ins- inside the huddle stuff just hearing kind of his his audibles and hearing what's going on to have to have that just ability that coolness that calmness under pressure to see these things is is incredible and I don't know if you saw it the the stats about his heart rate through the game mm-hmm. uh, that have come out that are just it's absolutely mind-blowing how cool he is and I mean, ice in the veins seems to be this phrase that's overtaken the NFL world in the last couple of months, but he's got ice in his veins. He is so cool under pressure. And just some of the throws he he was making were so so ludicrously kind of, how do you say, kind of, I guess, improper technique. But they're so effective. He's, he's changing the position. He's, I mean, we don't, talk about him as, as a running quarterback we don't see him rush a huge amount because he doesn't really need to but when he does have to do it and he can scramble he is so dangerous in the open field as well I I just think he is he's playing at such an incredible level and it's really impressive given the start of this season when we were kind of questioning whether maybe he was kind of plateauing a little and whether the team was really working properly but they've done whether that's just Mahomes, I think Andy Reid probably has to take some credit there. They've done a really fantastic job rejuvenating their season. And they look, to me, I think it's, I mean, I, I've been backing another team the whole way, so I'll, I'll pick that up. To, I'm sure we'll talk about them in a minute. But, I mean, the Chiefs look hard to beat right now. Um, so, it's just Sunday's going to be an incredible game, I think. Just it's It looks like it could be another just offensive gunslinger, just free-for-all. And I'm I, I'm here for it. Do you think Edwards Hilaire is going to cause the Bengals a lot of problems? We saw in the game, he wasn't used a whole lot. I think he only had six carries total, but he had somewhere around 60 yards off those six carries. And they used him right in that kind of third quarter where they were up and they were trying to take some time off the clock and how effective he can be. Do you think he's going to be so important to keep these Bengals defensive linemen just a little bit honest and just maybe take them a half a step slower to get to Mahomes? Yeah, I think he is. I think that that kind of sort of duo of McKinnon and, and CEH kind of worked really well together, which is kind of quite surprising given I think they're fairly similar in kind of backs. You've not got like a, a massive kind of uh, guy who runs runs through the tackles and a, a smaller kind of third down guy. They kind of, they're both on the, on the slightly kind of smaller undersized um, side of things, but they're both incredible. McKinnon, this rejuvenation he's had in his career... It's been fantastic, and he fits that offense like a glove. 
Uh, Edward Hilaire, I just think has, I think he's been very unlucky in his career so far. He started obviously brilliantly and I think there is a real player in there. And I think he could be a guy that kind of really grows as this postseason does and could end up with having a, a kind of monster game in the Super Bowl potentially. Yeah, let's uh, let's move over to the NFC side of things then. And um, the Rams, of course, uh, entertaining the, the 49ers after their uh, win that we mentioned against Green Bay, where they didn't score an offensive touchdown at all. And they still actually won that game. Still one of the crazier stats to have ever come out of the playoffs. But the Rams are a team that are letting opposition come back in the second half against them um, and they're struggling to score points in the second half and we saw that against uh, on Sunday against the Bucks, only registering three points now albeit three very important points the ones that won them the game but they seem to be struggling to sort of you know put teams away at the moment they they do and there has to be kind of real concern for McVeigh there <clears throat> but one thing one thing I think could actually be a kind of real benefit for them is that they've kind of been through that near-death experience on Sunday and they came out of it. You could see, uh, was it Akers who who kind of gave away that fumble? He was just on the sideline looking distraught. Mm-hmm. He thought the game was over. And you could, even even as the, the Bucks kept getting closer and closer in, in terms of scoreline, it would cut to the sideline of the Rams and they knew it was coming. They've seen this film before. They know what Tom Brady comebacks are about. And they were strong enough to be able to withstand it. And Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup to be that clutch at the end of the game and actually kind of effectively win it by getting them in a field goal position was fantastic. And I actually think this is a huge moment for them because I think those players in their heart of hearts, they, they definitely won't be admitting it to the cameras. I think they thought that game was getting out of their hands and they, they were going to lose. They didn't lose. They kind of they st- stood strong. Matthew Stafford really kind of showed up when it really mattered, which I know is something that's kind of been questioned of him previously in Detroit. I've, I think that could be a real defining moment for them in their season. I, I hope it is. I really like McVeigh. Um, but I, I think they're probably the favourites over the Niners. But they are they are going to have to stop this kind of giving teams a chance thing because it if it doesn't cost them against the Niners, it is going to cost them when they come up against someone like Patrick Mahomes or, or Joe Burrow? Well, they've struggled against the 49ers for no apparent re- Like, as good as the 49ers are, I don't think anyone would necessarily compare the two rosters on paper and expect that. What, what do the 49ers need to do to keep this streak alive? Because we know how formidable that Rams offense can be and also that defensive line in particular. I think they need to just keep on doing what they're doing, really, and just supersize it. The, the defense for the Niners has been absolutely lights out. The pass rush is phenomenal. They like Fred Warner. <clears throat> we didn't know if he'd even play because of because of his injury in the previous game. He absolutely turned up. I, I just think I I don't think they've got quite enough in terms of quarterback to to kind of push them over the line. But they need to kind of. They need to be innovative, which we know Carl Shanahan is. They need to get Debo Samuel on the ball, whether that's in the backfield or, or receiving. They need to use these playmakers and really cut the rounds open. But it's it's going to be so hard. Um, I think one thing we will see on Sunday is some deep, deep playbook stuff that we've not seen all season. I'm sure. I'm sure you know they know each other well. The head coaches, they'll be kind of planning little things, and um, I think it's going to be a really fascinating game. And they need to 
for the Niners to win, they effectively their their pass rush needs to be monstrous. They need to stop the Rams running the ball, and ultimately they need to stop Aaron Donald because on Sunday I think one of the key things everyone was saying about three quarters of the way into the game that kind of got lost by the end of the game just because of the, the drama of the comeback and Brady's kind of performance in it was how dominant Aaron Donald was. Like he he is a I, th- I think he's the best player in football, period. I think he has been for a while now. And when you have a guy like that capable of so much destruction, it's it just helps helps everybody else. You had Von Miller was, I mean, it looked like it was 2014, 2015 again. He was playing fantastically. The rest of that line was looking really good. They have to stop Donald. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's a far harder thing to uh, to do than to say. But it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of scheme around Aaron Donald, I think. But if there's any offense that can do that, it is Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah, and that's it. And I think the the right side of that 40 liners line is going to have to sort of pull something out of the bag for this game because it, like with Trent Williams there on the left, you can't you're kind of set in that way. He he is one of the better ones, despite the strangely enough that putting him at uh, Shannon putting him in motion a couple of times in this playoffs, which has been pretty weird. Pretty weird going from from left to right tackle in that Cowboys game, actually causing the false start, which almost lost them the game in the end. Um, but yeah, interesting. The 49ers, you mentioned about their um defensive line and how they, they're going to have to really get pressure on Stafford. Uh, leading into this game, because Andrew Whitworth didn't play last week. Uh he was replaced by it was Joe Nopu, I, I believe it was, and he's also questionable now heading into this week. So that mm-hmm. left side, that blind side of Stafford now on that line is is becoming thin, which could be an issue, especially with someone like Nick Bosa or an Eric Armstead or um uh I'm trying to think of o- Omenahu as well and Arden Key as well. There's there's been these sort of like um part players on the defensive line for the 49ers that are really excelling, really playing well. And of course, you've got the likes of Armstead and Bosa who are continuing to, um, you know, frighten offensive lines too. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really interesting one that you've got to hope they can kind of heal up the Rams because if, if they don't, there is going to be problems. And I think Bosa is, <coughs> sorry, Bosa is incredibly dangerous We've seen that kind of in his short NFL career already. And he's a guy that when he gets going, the crowd get going, it G's up the whole team. And he kind of has that that kind of leadership aspect on the defense that I think could really fire them up and cause problems. Um, ultimately, they're going to have to be get Stafford releasing the ball nice and quick, lots of slants from the receivers, um, and just, just kind of get their way up the field. So we might have to see the Rams do a few things that they might not usually do. Um I think it's going to be fascinating to see. And I I feel like I'm not, my heart says the Rams, but I'm still not totally confident because I do think what, what's been impressive about the Niners, sort of sort of Salah's left. And I thought their defense would kind of take a bit of a hit this year, but if anything, it's just got better. Um, they are, they are monsters ultimately. And yeah. yeah, it's, it's going to be a real tough one. Uh, I like it. I'm repeating myself here, but I, I just don't know who's going to win this one. And now, just before we move on, and I know you've you've addressed it a little bit, but I want to get your your clear thoughts on it. Is one of the limiting factors for this Rams team and and going to the Super Bowl? Do you think it's Matthew Stafford? This is 
new territory for him, obviously playing on the Lions for so long. He's had some fantastic games. We know he has a great connection with Cooper Cup. He's set all sorts of records this season. Uh, but he's also had some pretty terrible games, and it doesn't seem to be any particular rhyme or reason to it. So will his performance on Saturday, how much of an impact, of course it'll impact every quarterback does, but how much of an impact do you think it'll have on this game? Yeah, I, I think this is a guy who <clears throat> this is a guy who's kind of kind of been questioned in Detroit and a lot of analytics guys this season for the Rams have kind of made comparisons with Jared Goff. Is he that much better? I think he's considerably better, but there are a lot of kind of analytics guys who think there isn't a huge amount of difference. I think ultimately you need to see from him this week the intangibles that kind of put him over that threshold. And I think we saw that down the stretch against the Bucks. I've mentioned it already with that kind of clutch play to Cooper Cup, the way he kind of got that offense on his back and really drove them forward, I thought was fantastic. We need to see that Matthew Stafford. We can't see the one we've seen, like you mentioned, at times this season where he's played three or four great games in a row. You're expecting another big one. You put him in your fancy team and he he throws up a horrible, horrible um, result. And the, the kind of worrying thing is, as you mentioned, this isn't something you can necessarily predict, which is a serious concern. But this is the time for Matthew Stafford now. There probably isn't going to be a better time than this. That that roster is kind of stacked to go all in. The Packers have gone home. If if he's going to get his ring, that I'd love to see him get because he seems like a genuinely nice guy and he had to suffer in Detroit for all those years. If it's if he's going to get it, it's this year. And he, yeah, this is I think this is the season that defines Matthew Stafford as a quarterback ultimately. Yeah, and this is the thing though that that I guess is not maybe talked about a lot is this is going to be Matt Stafford's furthest venture into the playoffs ever as a player. And, you know, you can, you can say that you have the talent and everything like that, but you know, nerves are going to be a thing. They, they, they naturally you're going to be a little nervous thinking I'm one game away from the Super Bowl. I also have the weight of LA on my shoulders here because thinking I'm the guy to bring them this ring. And, you know, it's it it is going to take a, a fantastic performance, and like you mentioned, Sam, that there are weeks where he has just he can't there there is chances that he can stink out the place, and you know with that coupled with the expectation with this big game, you know it there is a lot of things, and it's going to take a lot a, a big mental effort as well as a physical one for for Stafford in this. Yeah, I think it's interesting you mentioned the the kind of mental effort side of things. Because I, I do think there are times where he's, a lot of his mistakes do look like they're kind of mental errors or concentration errors, as opposed to necessarily technical errors or or kind of um, playbook errors or anything. So I think that is something he kind of really needs to work on. I think the offense and in particular McVeigh, I think needs to be talking to him throughout that game. I'm, I'm sure he will be, um, and just kind of keep him on the straight and narrow. And just if you let Matthew Stafford be Matthew Stafford, I think it's going to work out well for the Rams, but ultimately you need to kind of give him the least pressure he can have, keep things simple and just, just let him play. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Sam, before we, uh, we let you go, who, who is going to the Super Bowl? <sighs> Chiefs versus Rams, I think. Um, in, in all honesty, I think the, the Bengals could do it as well. Um, don't, I, I don't think the round. Uh, sorry, I don't think the Niners almost deserve it because I think at times this season they've been 
especially at the start of the season, abject. But uh, th- th- when they had their last kind of Super Bowl run, <clears throat> getting to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, I actually thought every single every single week I thought they're going home now, and they didn't. They just kept on rolling, and Carl Shanahan seems to have that kind of ability just to do that. So I'm not going to rule anyone out, but for me, the Chiefs, what we saw last Sunday, I I don't think I don't think they're going to lose. And the Rams, arguably the kind of more tricky game, I think they'll do just about enough. I do think, as I mentioned, that kind of that mental hurdle of being able to defeat a Brady when he's in his comeback mode, I think that's going to be something that's going to do fantastic wonders for them and their psyche. And I think that'll probably put them over the top. Yeah. And hey, who wouldn't want to see another repeat of the Rams and Chiefs after their, what was it, 53-50 game there a couple of years ago? I think oh, we'd all imagine? be okay with that. Could you imagine? Uh, well, look, it'd be better than like a Rams-Patriots uh, Super Bowl we had a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not that, I don't mind. As long as there's more than 20 points scored by each team in it, in I'd be, I'd be happy with that. But listen, Sam, it's always great to speak to you. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, to chat with us today, looking ahead to the games. Um, are, where What are you going to be doing for the games on Sunday? Are you chilling out or are you going to be going out for it? Um, I'm going to keep this one quite chilled chill out, enjoy these games struggle with work on the Monday no doubt um, yeah. the Super Bowl is going to be a different matter, I'm going to keep my powder dry till that then I think um, yeah I just I'm just so excited for these games guys uh, what we saw on Sunday night was a historically good kind of couple of games and I like realistically it probably is not going to be quite as good as that again but it just it kind of wets the appetite so much. Um, have a couple of beers at home, bag of Doritos or something. Yeah, enjoy enjoy the games. Next stuff, the right way to do. It. And don't worry, we'll all be sort of like mentally with you there on Monday, all struggling <laughs> after watching after watching the games uh, for sure. But listen, like I said, as always, it's brilliant to talk to you. We we no doubt we'll be speaking to you again, uh, if not before the Super Bowl, definitely after it to to see what you thought of it. Definitely, that'll be great. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. No problem, no problem. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to be speaking to Sky Sports NFL analyst Jeff Reinbold, looking ahead to the weekend's games. And you're welcome back to the second part of the Under Center podcast. Of course, Dara and Fionn here with you. Big thanks to Sam Farley for speaking to us there in the first part of the show. But we're delighted to be joined by Sky Sports analyst and, of course, uh, all-round football guy, knowledgeable guy, I should say. Um, he is the face of the NFL on Sky Sports. That is Jeff Reinbold. Jeff, it's great to speak to you. Um, this time, not while you're on a plane. So it's great to see him speak to you in person for sure. How have you been? I've been really good there. It's it's been uh, such a blast to be over here. I love coming over here because it, it really connects me with my roots. You know, I came to uh, Europe the first time in 1995 when we restarted NFL Europe. And it's so amazing to think about how much the game has grown. And I'm not talking about just the viewership on TV. I'm talking about the knowledge of the game, the number of kids playing, the European kids that are really true European kids that are now playing in the National Football League and have played in the National Football League. And, you know, it's so – I was telling Fionn when we were off when we were off camera that um, I'd come to uh, – 2010 or 2011, I came to Dublin. Uh, I had a friend who was the head coach at Trinity University at the time, and he asked me to come over and do a thing. 
for the coaches and I did. And then we had to practice the next day and it was, you know, just an hour and a half, two hour practice. And there, there were kids who drove from Belfast, from the, you know, from West coast of Ireland, all, I mean, they, they spent more twice as much time in their car as they did on the field. And just the way that they loved the game was so refreshing and so wonderful because frankly, it reminded me of what a lot of us were like when we were young kids and fell in love with the game for the first time. Yeah, it's super fanatic over here, super old school. And we have to pay to play as well. So that really uh, weeds out the guys who are really interested in doing it and takes a lot of your time. So we really appreciate any time guys like you come over here, Jeff, and, and share your knowledge with us. Have you had a chance to travel around any other parts of Ireland or do you tend to be in Dublin when you're over here? I've been, you know, I've been in Dublin. I've been in Belfast. I, I have a, when I was in, when I was in Dublin, we took a, a bus tour and went down to the, it was like the craziest place I'd ever seen it, where they used to cut sod in the old days to, to keep their homes warm. Right. Mm -hmm. And every place I've been in that country is absolutely beautiful. But, you know, I don't believe in, you know, the bucket list thing, like, mm -hmm. I, cause I, that sounds too morbid for me. Right. That, so to me, I, one of the things I really would like to do at some point in my life is take a drive along the West coast and, because it looks absolutely breathtaking well if you go west you'll find it's not old school they used to cut cut turf down there they still do that especially out west <laughs> in the bogs so it's a different kind of lifestyle over there than it is in dublin i have to tell you that i well you know what uh, i'm a big surf guy right and i love mm -hmm. being in the water but i watch this show i get the surf channel at home right and i watched this show and it was about guys who surf in cold weather right? And cold water. And these crazy people were out on the West Coast. It's the North Sea, dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is not the South Pacific. And they got like, I mean, they got wetsuits on that. I'm, it was like, I'm, and I'm watching them do it. And I'm saying, you know, I love to surf, but I ain't surfing in that water. No <laughs> way. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't. I won't even go in for a swim in that water now, let alone going going surfing in that for sure. But yeah, as Fionn um, mentioned there, you uh, you are coming over uh, the fifth of February for a, a workshop here, and um, as in in collaboration, of course, with American Football Ireland, and we're really excited to to have you over. Is, is there any sort of details that? You can uh, let us know yeah, about how what sort of workshop you're going to be doing. Well, this is kind of a, um, I guess, a, I don't know what you call it, but like Mike, my engineer that does uh, Coffee with the Coach with me, yep. uh, Mike McQuaid, and he's, he's the Irish guy from Belfast. And we were talking, I said, you know, Michael, let's let's do a show in – Dublin let's do a live show and you know we're fighting all the COVID stuff and we don't know if it's going to happen not going to happen and finally a week ago we said okay let's approach the federation in Ireland and say we'll come over and do a clinic for the coaches and players and anybody else that wants to come and men women girls boys don't matter and no matter what your level is or as long as you just want to learn or love football and the people at the federation jumped at it and 
now it's <laughs> we keep having to find bigger rooms because more and more people <laughs> want to come and and the whole purpose really is um you know it's so important that we give back right and uh football has done so many things for me and my family that when you have a chance to give back you got to do it right because who's to say that there's not going to be some 10-year-old Irish kid that was just like me when, when I was 10 years old? And, you know, um, so if, if, if we can help grow the game, shoot, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and we will, um, of course, if anyone is interested uh, after the show today, if they want to get a ticket for it, we'll put a link on our social channel so you can, of course, get your ticket. Only five euro as well for a three-hour workshop. It's going to be definitely worth it. But um, Hey, Derek, we... and you know, it's, I think it's important that, to yeah. understand, too, that that $5, all the everything we make, yeah, all the proceeds go directly back to Irish mm -hmm. football. There's, I'm not making a penny. I don't want to make, I'm not interested in that. The whole process was to create an environment where we can help, help grow the game and hopefully help finance, even if it's just buying equipment for one kid or one team or whatever it is, you know, the, the, the Federation will figure that out. But, you know, it's, it's a way to, as I said, give back. Excellent. And that, and that is uh, brilliant, especially like in these tough times where, as Fiona and myself can can allude to, because we've been part of it, that the last two years of not having a league has been quite tough on teams, uh, losing players and, and maybe some not coming back who were previously on the team as well. So and the fact that we can hopefully get a season this year and then if we can sort of, like you're saying, have a workshop with yourself where it, it will increase our knowledge of the game and also it helps give a little back in terms of on the financial side to help the league keep uh, to keep the league going. You know, it's always it's always a positive to help grow the game. Yep, no question. And I appreciate you guys helping us with all of it. It's no problem at all, no problem at all. Uh, so let's actually move on then to um, the stuff over in America then. And, and we... We had a, a show on Tuesday and we sort of went in depth on the divisional round and we won't spend too much time on it, but there was a question that I asked Fionn and I'd love to get your take on it. And, and it was to do with the Bills um, because as we had read leading up to the game on Sunday against the Chiefs, that the Bills had built this roster to beat the Chiefs. Um, obviously to get over this this hump of the Chiefs and, and, and to make it to the Super Bowl, which now they, they haven't done again. And with the potential coordinator turnover, and of course in the front ops too, with with um uh was it Joe Shane? I think that's I yeah. think that's how you pronounce his second name is Shane, yeah. isn't it? Um I, he's moved on. Brian Dayball looks like he might be following him to the Giants. Leslie Frazier has had interviews for head coaching jobs, so it's not guaranteed that he'll be here next season. It looks like there might be an off-season of change in Buffalo there. And the question I want to ask is maybe do you think that Buffalo should maybe stop building the roster to beat the Chiefs or and start building a roster to have make the Chiefs have to alter their game to beat them? Well, I think that's an interesting concept because you know when you look, I agree with you 100 percent there that that you guys are right on it. The Chiefs are the kingpins of the AFC. I think we've known that 
was coming for four years, right? I mean, this team's going to play in the AFC Championship four years in a row. So if you are another AFC team, you know, you've got to look at it. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, you've got to go through Kansas City. And the Bills, with the way they've drafted, they, you know, they kept Jerry Hughes, who's a good pass rusher, but a marginal run player. They draft A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa to play on the edge. Then they draft Rousseau, and then they draft Boogie Basham. They bring in uh, F.A. Obata, who can, you know, play in and run downs and then drop down and play tackle. You know, they, they draft Ed Oliver, who's an undersized, up-the-field inside guy. Well, they were though all those guys were drafted with the mindset of, we're going to have to find a way to rush four and get to Patrick Mahomes. And we saw last weekend that that's a great concept, but it's a real tough thing to do because Patrick Mahomes, you know, is a much better athlete than people give him credit for. And he has the ability to avoid the rush. He has, he understands where pressure is coming from. He's got great concept of the game. And, you know, we saw numerous times in that game that, the Bills defensive lineman won, you know, won the, won the down. They won the pass rush competition, but they couldn't get to, they either hit him or couldn't sack him or he got out of the rush or whatever. So that's the conundrum, right? Because you're not playing, if you're the Bills, you're not playing to beat Miami or even the Patriots now or the Jets, right? You're playing to get to the Super Bowl because that's, you know, that's the end-all, be-all for all of us in pro sport is the championship. Now, for them to change the narrative, now you're talking about going the direction of the Titans and some of those other people and say, okay, we're going to load up on offensive linemen. We're going to pound the ball. We're going to get a great running back. We're going to pound the ball, shorten the game, you know, keep him off the field the old school way of winning in the NFL. But that kind of, that philosophy has really fallen by the wayside. And the NFL, but let me just say this, the NFL is a cyclical industry. What once was popular will again be popular, right? Can you outscore him? I don't know. I mean, how, what more could Josh Allen do the other night, right? I mean, what more could Gabriel Davis do the other night? And they still couldn't win. Now, the Bengals beat them by trying to by outscoring them, but that's a one-off. Now let's see if they can do it two times in a row. So it's a really, really difficult decision that general managers and head coaches in the AFC have to make because until further notice, that the championship goes through Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Jeff, we've we've seen we've been treated to a fantastic weekend of football just there in the divisional round, probably Sunday more so than Saturday. But has there been a standout performance for you so far in these playoffs? Do you lean more towards the star power of, say, Patrick Mahomes or the Cinderella story that has been the Bengals so far? Or is there a different player or team that's out to you in these playoffs? Well, every one of the games, obviously, this is the first time in the history of the National Football League that you've had any kind of a weekend like this. You're talking about four games all decided in either overtime or the last play of the game, right? 
As a matter of fact, in the history of the NFL playoffs, right, the history, there have never been more games than we had in this weekend decided at the last play, right? I mean, that's phenomenal. You think all the games played in the playoffs since the playoffs started, there have never been that many, not just in one weekend, but total, right? So each one of these games had a, such an incredible storyline. And, you know, Tampa Bay is beaten up at receiver and they look bad to open the game. And then all of a sudden, just when the Rams have a chance to put it away, they drop the ball. They put the ball on the ground at the one yard line going in. And then all you give Tom Brady another chance. You, it's like playing Russian roulette, right? <laughs> There's, there's a bullet in there somewhere. I just hope I don't <laughs> blow my head off, right? And they came real close to blowing their head off. And that was against a team that was down to Mike Evans, an aging Rob Gronkowski, and about that was about their offense after they got behind because you couldn't run the ball, you know, anymore with playoff Lenny. And, you know, the Packers, it's the frozen tundra. It's whatever it was, 20 degrees below zero. I don't know what it was, but it was cold, right? San Francisco comes in, and it looks like in the first quarter it's going to be a blowout. And then the next thing you know, we're in a dogfight, and they get a punt. San Francisco wins a play. Fellas, think about it. The 49ers won a playoff game in the National Football League in the divisional round and did not score one offensive point not one yeah. has that ever happened before i don't know but <laughs> i'm telling you I, I, it's worth the research guys getting on it because not I, a point i do think there was um and this is because i i i know about a good bit about seahawk history but there was a playoff game against the vikings a couple of years ago which finished nine points to six all to, all field goals all right, that was the game where the where the where the Vikings missed the was it, I think the Vikings missed the field goal at the end of the, the game. chip right? shot at it the end. The outdoor, yeah. It was the outdoor game yeah. in Minneapolis. It was just that's about the, as cold as it was in Green Bay, right? That's the one. Yeah, but you know, you, you say, how in the world is that team going to be playing to go to the Super Bowl with a quarterback that's got a less than eighty passer rating in the playoffs, right? Well because they're resilient as hell and they're tough. They're mm -hmm. physically tough. Now, will that carry them against the Rams? We'll talk about it later, but you know, I mean, every one of these games, the Titans, everybody's saying the King is back. And I was one of the ones that was using that line. The King is back, right? Since he's, since he can't stop to run Hendrickson's not a run stopper. He's a pass rusher, right? And Tennessee goes out, Sacks Burrow nine times and hits him 13 more. Okay, let's do a little math, right? And I'm not good at math, so bear with me if I screw it up. But nine and 13 is what? 22, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. In most NFL games, you the offense will have between 55 and 65 snaps in a game. So if Joe Burrow got hit 22 times, that means he's getting hit at least one out of every three times he snaps the football. And to, to, to 
to think that he was on his feet and throwing strikes in the fourth quarter tells you he's got to have some toughness about him. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty so, sure Jimmy Garoppolo threw 22 passes attempts in the entire game he played against the against the Packers. So that'll tell you. Yeah. I, like I say, man, it's just like every one of these games has an incredible story. Mike Hilton, like Cincinnati to me fascinates me. Like I, we could talk about the Bengals, the whole thing, but like Cincinnati forever, guys, you know, this has been that place where nobody wanted to go. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like devil's Island. You, you just did not want to go to Cincinnati. Free agents wouldn't go there. Players got out of there as fast as they could, unless you had some sort of problem. You didn't go to Cincinnati. Well, all of a sudden, here's Mike Hilton leaves Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh to go to Cincinnati. He leaves a first place team to go to a last place team, okay? Hendrickson's playing on the best defense in the National Football League, arguably, with Sean Payton. And he says, nah, I think I'll go to Cincinnati, right? And it wasn't because they got paid inordinate amounts of money. Joe Burrow is having an effect on that franchise that transcends what he does on the field because people are drawn to him. They want to be a part of what he's cooking in Cincinnati. What what do you think about Joe Burrow? Because for me, it stands out that we see a lot of young rookies come into the come into the league and they nearly live on what I call their flash, like their ability to just run around and be flashy with the football and get through. But Joe Burrows strikes me a lot like Herbert, where he can just stand there and take you apart from inside the pocket at a very mature level for such a young guy. Do you think that bodes very well for his future, especially given he gave the Bengals their first playoff win in longer than I've been alive, I think? Well, Fionn, if you know the kid's history, right, Joe's dad, Jimmy, was a great player at the University of Nebraska. And you guys are going to see Nebraska, I think, next year in, in mm-hmm. Ireland. But yeah. Nebraska is one of the – and especially when Jimmy was playing there. It's one of the best programs in, in America. And then he went up and played professionally in the Canadian Football League and then got into a coaching career and coached professionally in the CFL. And so Joe has been raised in a coach's family, right? He's He's – None of this is new to him. He's seen the pressure of the playoffs. He's seen the highs and lows. He's watched guys succeed and guys fail. He's listened to the conversation at the dinner table. It's such a unique environment to grow up in, much like Patrick Mahomes, whose dad was a Major League Baseball player. So both of those guys come into the National Football League with an incredible advantage compared to every other rookie. You know, so you look around and you say Mitchell Trubisky never had that advantage, Mm -hmm. you know, go through all of them. Like even Josh Allen, it took him time, more time than it's taken them. Now, he's a transcendent talent. But remember the playoff game his first year and he he he's trying to lead a game winning drive at the end of the game against the Texans. And he gets out of the pocket and he runs around. And then all of a sudden he looked like Kyler Murray in the end zone the other week against the Rams. He just threw the ball over his shoulder because he didn't know what to do. Well, he's grown past all that, right? Mm -hmm. But Patrick and Joe came in with a different background and a different maturity level. So 
I'm not surprised, not at all. Uh, and Jeff, I want to ask then, um, speaking about quarterbacks, and, and, and I want to talk a bit about Matt Stafford and, and the Rams as a whole, because um, like that, they did get through in the end against the Bucs um, after going up so early. One little bit of concern that I have now with the Rams uh, going into this game, um, not just the fact that they're facing an NFC West team that probably knows them better than any other team, but it's it's their second half performances um, this year. Uh, I, I look back and since week 14 um, against Arizona, they've only scored more than 10 points in the second half once, and that was week 17 against the Ravens. They only scored three against the Bucks, and they only scored under the six against the Cardinals in the, in the wild card weekend. Is that something that they're going to have to get right ahead of this game? Because that was one of the reasons um, they lost their Week 18 game and allowed the 49ers to actually make the playoffs was because they were up big against them. And then they lost the lead and then again lost in overtime. Daryl, you're exactly right, right? They, they've they allowed teams to come back in game. They do not have or have not demonstrated, because you, I don't want to say they don't have, but they have not demonstrated what we call a killer instinct, where you get a team down and you got a drive that you know will finish them and you don't get it done. When they had the 40, this is a loser out game for the 49ers. They got the 49ers, their blood rival, on the ropes, right? It's like if we were boxing and you've hit me so many times that the only thing I can do is go to the ropes and cover up and try and make it through the round, that's what the 49ers were like at the end of the half. And what happened? The Rams threw threw an interception, gave them life. They came back down, kicked a field goal. And it went from being 17 nothing could have been 24 nothing, and now you don't have enough possessions in the second half to win it. But no, it ended up 14-3, and the 49ers had a little bit of belief, right? What happened in Tampa? They're driving to finish the game, right? And Akers puts it on the ground at the one-yard line going in. And then Akers puts it on the ground again when they're trying to run out the clock to finish the game. For a running back in that situation, you never take your hands off the football, two hands off the football when your tackler's around. You don't struggle for extra yardage. You don't do any of those things because that's when the ball comes out. Because you know that the defense has been coached. We got to strip at it. We got to punch it. We got to get the ball out. That's our only chance. So the lack of killer instinct right now that the Rams have demonstrated would concern me if I'm a Rams fan, right? Yeah, I, and it's interesting they did mention the car makers because that have been down to, you know, personnel choicing. Maybe it wasn't the right move considering he'd been out for so long to have him in such an important spot like that. Maybe, yeah, like you're saying, over eagerness could have uh, played a factor. And uh, maybe it would have been better to go with the safe hands of, say, Sony Michelle instead. Those are the those are the things that coaches. It, <laughs> you know why coaches do television? Because of things like that. Because of questions like that. Because you're never going to be right as long as Cam mm-hmm. Akers puts it on the ground. You're wrong. Cam Akers doesn't put it on the ground. We're not having this conversation, right? 
So that's the great thing about coaching and playing, right? It's a, it's a now business. It's a production oriented business. And if you don't produce, if you don't finish, you're open to criticism. And there's plenty of criticism of what went on this past weekend. How in the world, how in the world can you get a punt blocked when you've got eight to protect the punter and they only have six? It wasn't even a punt block, right? I went back and I looked at the tape. It wasn't even, a, they were not trying to block that punt. Mm-hmm. The the defensive lineman that blocked it, they, I mean, it, it, it's just inexplicable unex- to me, right? They put the long snapper, who's a rookie and weighs 220 pounds, against a defensive lineman who's a pass rusher. And he was surprised when he got into the backfield. And then he just reached around the guy and blocked it. Right? And, you know, Talanoa takes it in the end zone, and it's the game's over with, right? So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of questions asked about that. Sean McVay kicks off and uses no time in a game that has 13 seconds left on the clock. I said it during the broadcast. I said, I I can't believe this. They kick off, take no time off the clock, put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands at the 25-yard line, and now all he needs is three first downs to get a field goal with 13 seconds. So think about that. 13 seconds will be what? Normally, 13 seconds is two, maybe three plays, depending on how how the defense plays it. One play if you're Dak Prescott. Yeah. Yeah, if you're the Cowboys, (laughs) it's one play. But but see, that's what I'm saying. Those are all, like the playoffs, the the playoffs are full of those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, was Tennessee wrong to, to... you know, expect that, you know, Henry was going to have an Im- large impact on the game. He really didn't. The best running back was, you know, the kid they've been riding with for the last seven weeks. Yep. But they made the decision to go with their guy. Well, you can argue that one all you want, but it didn't, you know, they're, they're at home. So you can have that discussion on your living room couch as opposed to on the 50 yard line. Mm-hmm. I think that's another one, like you said, Jeff, where, if the Titans win that game, that's a great decision because now Henry's had a tune-up game before the conference game, but because it doesn't work out, you're under a little bit more scrutiny. Before we move on, I just want to ask you one more question about the quarterbacks. I think the, the quarterback who's had the most negative media about him of all the four that are left is Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you feel that's fair? I mean, sure, he's not maybe the most talented quarterback left in the division, but whenever he's under center for the 49ers and not injured he he seems to get the job done he had a playoff run there a couple of years ago as well and he never seems to get much love off the fan base and the media base there in san francisco no i and i don't think he ever will i don't i don't think he ever will because the reality of it is the style of quarterback that jimmy garoppolo is is not what the fan base in san francisco is used to right Mm -hmm. this is a fan base that grew up with you know, Joe Montana, Steve Walsh, uh, Jeff Garcia. I mean, it was that those and, and Garcia in a lot of ways is like Garoppolo, right? Maybe a little more accurate, has makes better decisions sometimes. Because it was interesting watching the game. And we're watching the game because we get the feed from 
from Fox, right? So, so Troy's doing the game. And you could hear in Troy's voice his frustration as a quarterback. Like the one time he said, he, Jimmy's got to know where to go with the ball better than that, right? Because it was one of those ones he kind of floated out there in the, mm-hmm. and it almost got picked off. And, you know, that's what – I think that's what everybody sees and gets frustrated with. I did a study on him, and one of the things I saw was most of the interceptions that he throws are outside the numbers, right? They're balls that are late outside. And, you know, Shanny can help – Shanahan can help him with his play calls in that regard, Right. I think it's so critical for a team like that. You may not win because of your quarterback, but you can win in spite of your quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Now, that's hard, but that's what San Francisco is going to have to do if they're going to win the championship, I think. Yeah, that stood out to me as well, the fact that even when he did have that release valve to Kittle, it was down the middle. And it, it strikes me that if the Rams can kind of seal off the middle and force that release valve to be out wide and still get some four-man pressure on Garoppolo, they might they might have a really good chance of putting this 49ers team under a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I think there's so many things about this in, matchup that are so intriguing. Is uh, Raheem Morris's answer has been, typically, to play what we call bear, which is, okay, so let me kind of give you a feel for it. They're a 3-4 team, right? So they're going to play with, Three down linemen and four linebackers, right? Old school, Buddy Ryan, you can trace it all the way back to him, right? It's a great run defense, and it really is good against the pass also. But the problem, and it's hard to – a lot of people won't play it anymore against all these 11 personnel sets where you got one tight end, one back, and three wide receivers because if you play with two linebackers, then you can only play single high defense because you got to drop a safety down on one of the – on one of those wideouts. So what Raheem has done, and frankly, I I'm I run that structure too, and it's what we did against 11 personnel, is you would just play with one linebacker in the box, right? Well, that's tough to do against a team like San Francisco because they run the ball so well, and they give you so much. Guys, nobody in the NFL, over 82%, I think it is, of their snaps, they have some sort of pre-snap motion, right? Nobody in the NFL is like that. So if you take Reader, who's who's a good player, he's not a dominant middle linebacker, and all of a sudden he's got all this stuff across his face, and if he takes just even a half step in the wrong direction, they're going to give up a run, right? And the 49ers have shown that they're they're, – I guess, you know, their recipe for beating six straight times, beating their rival, is pounded at them and pounded at them and pounded at them. And nobody does it better. Nobody has the volume of run plays that they have. Nobody has the motions. Nobody has Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Juszczyk is the most underrated player in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. The most underrated player in the National Football League when you understand the impact that he has on a game. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's. I want to ask then, before we let you go, about the AFC Championship game. Um, looking ahead to it, with, you know, the Bengals getting out, the Chiefs 
like we mentioned a little earlier in the piece as well, that Mahomes did find himself running around a lot, beating the, the pass rush of the Bills last week. Um, and Cincinnati have um, their own um, pass rush there. Of course, you mentioned Trey Hendrickson. Also, you have Sam Hubbard there as well, just to name two of them on the line. And the 49ers and the Rams also have, um, you know, a very potent pass rush. And the reason why I'm mentioning them is because we saw last year's Super Bowl when Kansas City struggled with their offensive line. They had Patrick Mahomes running for his life through that whole game. He spent a lot of it running for his life a little bit, albeit very effective on Sunday. They did spend a lot of money in the offseason on the offensive line to improve it. They're going to have to obviously win the battles this week, but whether whether they do or not, and if they make it to the Super Bowl, it's going to be a totally different story against whether it be the 49ers or the Rams. Yeah, there's no question. Because if you look at it, guys, if, if you look at these four teams, right, there are some very, very big similarities between all of them, right? All of these teams that are playing, that are still playing today, have multiple offensive weapons that they can get at you with, right? So you've got Van Jefferson, you've got, you know, OBJ, you've got Cooper Cup, you've got Higby with the Rams, right? (laughs) The Chiefs have, I mean, they got so many guys you can't even name. I'm just like, they got Travis Kelsey and all those track guys over there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And and then you go through Cincinnati claims they got the best three wide receivers in football and, and Joe Mixon, right? And the you know, so the 49ers, Debo Samuel might be my favorite player in football right now. Cause I don't know anybody that does as much as he can do in a game, right? And their running backs are un, you know, I think underrated and you don't really have a feel for Brandon Ayuk how good a player he is because he's got Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to him imagine what he could do if he had Joe Burrow throwing to him right and you got George Kittle who might be and I'm and I truly mean this he might be the best all-around tight end in the National Football League because when he gets in he's a great inline blocker Kelsey don't want to block nobody he gets in the way but he doesn't want to block anybody right Kittle he wants he loves blocking right? So what else do they have in common? The Rams have three great rushers, great rushers, not good rushers, great rushers. And Greg Gaines is really under undervalued, right? And you look at San Francisco's front, they dress nine defensive linemen with Joey Bosa and they just roll them through at you. I mean, it's just fresh guys after fresh guys, Eric Armstead, boom, boom, boom. They, I mean, they got ability to rush with four, right? Cincinnati goes out and gets Hendrickson and he comes in and has a banner year, right? They're not terrible on the defensive line, right? So you see where the NFL is going. It's weapons on offense, rushers on defense, weapons on offense, rushers on defense. Now, San Francisco is really chewed up at corner right now. They're they're They have zero depth at corner, right? How are they going to match up with all that stuff that the Rams have, right? And then you look at those other teams and you say, yeah, Cincinnati, we don't talk a lot about their secondary, but they got some pretty good players. We saw it last weekend, right? The Rams got Jalen Ramsey. 
and he got beat by Evans at, in the fourth quarter. But Evans is the only receiver in the history of the NFL that's ever had a thousand yard receiving yard year, excuse me, the first eight years of his career. So he's beaten a lot of guys, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going? Right. Yeah. It's, if you want to win a championship, you better have those things, right? Or you're going to have what happened to Green Bay, where all of a sudden San Francisco just doubled Devontae Adams and there was nobody left on the field that could win. Mm-hmm. Robert Tonham was gone. Valdez Scanlon, a guy. Lazard, a guy. You know, just guys. You got to have dudes. You don't need guys. You need dudes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then what, uh, what are you predicting then for this weekend? Who's, uh, who's going to the Super Bowl? Well, my football brain tells me the Chiefs, right? That's the logical choice. At home, just coming off that huge emotional win. But there are a couple things that make me go, "Mm," right? How healthy is Tyran Matthew? Can the Bengals find a way to get Daniel Sorensen matched up against one of those three receivers, right? Then the other half of me says, can the Bengals protect enough to keep Burrow on his feet? That has a, that has the makings of a track meet, but I still think Kansas City will win. Then you go to the other game, and I, my question about this game is, if you punch the Rams in the chin, are they going to fight back? Because I'm going to tell you something. The 49ers are going to come out of that tunnel and he's going to be talking to them all week long. We know who they are. We know what they're about. We've kicked their ass six straight times. And don't, I'm going to tell you something. They'll have the video clips and the highlight tape and the hype tape. And they're going to show hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. And they're going to walk out of that tunnel, right? With the boom box and the whole deal, especially if Trent Williams is healthy. And they're going to, they're going to go, Come on, you know, come on, let's go. Let, let's see if this is going to be an ass whipping party today, Rams, and you're going to supply all the ass. That's the way they're going to, that's the way they're going to approach it. I'm just telling you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Rams prove that they're tough enough mentally and physically to beat the 49ers because they're a better football team on paper. But men, you don't play it on paper, you play it mm-hmm. on after turf. Definitely, definitely, one hundred percent. One last question before we let you go. The news broke on Tuesday that uh, Sean Payton is leaving the Saints after sixteen years in charge and a, and a Super Bowl. Um, first of all, what was what was your reaction to the news that you're hearing that he's going to step away, and and where do you think this is going to leave the Saints now without a franchise quarterback and now without a head coach? Well, I tell you what, it, it really is funny for me because I remember. Uh, going to visit a friend of mine who was coaching at San Diego State, right? I was in college football at the time. This is in the mid-80s, about 84, 85, somewhere in there. And I go out to visit this guy at San Diego State to talk football. And (laughs) there was a young GA. And a GA is the guy that goes and gets the coffee and sharpens the pencils and, you know, all that stuff. Does all the gopher work. And he was we had stayed late in the evening or we watching tape and this guy was in his office eating takeout pizza, order out pizza out of a pizza box 
and watching tape and watching tape and watching tape. And he was a young, bright-eyed, eager kid that really was just like almost in awe of the whole thing, right? Sean Payton. And now to think that he's stepping away from the game, it's kind of sad to me, really, because he's been such a great ambassador for New Orleans, for the state of Louisiana, for the Saints. Guys, remember when he came, I mean, the Saints, except for a short period with Jim Mora, they have been one of the worst franchises in the history of the National Football League, right? The, the first team to put bags over the head, they called them the Aints, not the Saints. I mean, you know, like it was, it was a circus. And then he came in there and all of a sudden it changed. And they became one of the flagship franchises. And he says he wants to step away. And I think he deserves that right. I, I truly believe, based upon the guy that I know, he's a coach. And he'll coach somewhere. And it may be Dallas in another year. If he steps away for a year, don't be surprised if he doesn't do a Bruce Arians. And I know there's a mutual admiration society between Sean Payton and, and Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. You just broke Fionn's heart there a little bit now, saying that uh, he'd be ended up in Dallas. You broke his heart. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Washington fan, so yeah, if I, if I can watch those guys down south suffer as much as possible, that makes me happy while we're struggling through our own thing there in Washington. <laughs> You've been struggling for a little while, too. We've been, for as long as I've been watching this game, unfortunately, Jeff, we've had, I think, one, two playoff appearances with last season included. So, yeah, I got in just as the year they drafted or G3, so I got maybe two good seasons out of him, and then we've struggled pretty much constantly since then, unfortunately. That's too bad, because if you if you were my age, you remember, you know, John Riggins and you mm-hmm. know, all that crew, and, and uh, they were they were nasty. I mean, the Hogs and all of... They, that, that's, a, that's a proud, proud franchise, and it's mm-hmm. really sad to see it be as, 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 as down as it's been, and mm-hmm. I think if anybody can get it back, Ron Rivera could do a good job. Yeah. With it. yeah and that's the word. It's, it's not so much the football side. It's the, it's the rest of the culture side, seeing that go down. I think that that's the toughest for the fans. The football cyclical, as you said, it's ups and downs and I'm sure the team will be back on their feet soon, but it's, it's unfortunate to have to see all that background stuff and, and, yeah. and things go on behind the scenes. That's, that's not what football is. And it's, it's not what the fans want to see either. Nope. You're right. It is funny though that you mentioned that about the, the Washington team and the the glory days of past. Because I was watching um the old Thirty for Thirty documentary. It was Al Davis versus the NFL, and you know the days of the Raiders going up against the Washington in the Super Bowl and the rivalry they had back then. Just so just remember that there now. That, Who, uh, who's your team there? Uh, Seahawks. How'd you get to be a Seahawk? <laughs> My first ever Super Bowl was forty eight against the Broncos that I watched it and all the talk coming into it was Peyton going to win it with the Broncos. And I was like, you know what? And the Legion of Boom and I'm a defensive guy. So I like defense. Like, you know, I like this Legion that sound of Legion of Boom. I'm going to like Seattle. They obviously ran away with that game and I've sort of been a fan ever since. But, you know, I like to say it's a love hate relationship. You know, they love to make me miserable and I hate that I keep going back, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting offseason now for sure to see if, if Russ sticks around and 
if he uh, if he leaves. Well, well, we could do a whole podcast just on that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We'll wait for the off season for that one now, for sure. Um, because uh, we've had we've had you on for long enough, so we really appreciate the time, Jeff. Um, thanks so much for for taking the time to speak to us. And um, listen, we will we will definitely have you on again to talk about Russell Wilson. See if he leaves the Seahawks in the off season. Uh, all right, fellas, no problem. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys do. You're doing a great job for football and football thanks. in Ireland. So keep it up, man. Hope no to see you next week. Oh, we'll oh, be there. We'll be there. All right. We'll be there. And if you can also be there if you get your tickets. Just uh, either go to the American Football Ireland uh, social pages, go to uh, Jeff's uh, Twitter if you want to as well, or you can go to where's and uh, we will leave links for you to get tickets. So make sure you don't miss that Saturday, the 5th of February for, for the workshop with Jeff. Of course, the uh, venue will be announced uh, very, very soon indeed. So make sure you get your tickets in time for that. Fionn, thank you so much as always. Thank you. And listen, I hope you have a great championship weekend. I am, and we will be back next week to review it. So until then, stay safe and we'll see you soon.